Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of At the Movies with Cash and Hightower. You got Cash here. And this is Hightower. Cash, this is episode number 15. What a what a milestone. Just each episode we cross off the list is another one we're going to just shove in the naysayer's face, man. We're, we're doing it. I know, this is a big celebration because I, I mean, this is obviously really fun, but I just didn't know how long this thing would last, so. Yeah. Let's do at least 15 more. I think that's not going to be an issue. Plus, we have to get to whatever. Oh yeah, like three three hundred. Yeah, three hundred seventy. Big trouble in Little China. Yeah, it's. Yeah, we we got a ways to go yet, man. So I'm I'm down. Yeah, we we definitely do. <laughs> well, how are you? I'm doing good. Each each week's getting a little bit better. So. Um, up and Adam got I got a couple of messages about last week's episode from Beetlejuice some some positive positive notes so I've, all things considered man doing good I heard some similar feedback uh, reached out you know I haven't heard from Doctor Dub he might be mad at me I have not heard from him he's a huge Beetlejuice fan I just I just now realized that that <laughs> I've not heard from him but um, our good buddy Zach a friend of the show and uh, top lead researcher reached out and uh, he said that uh, Keaton is on screen for a total of 17 minutes we, t- we were talking about his uh, oh yeah small amount of screen time and Zach uh, did some work did some sleuthing for us Zach is the man he really is let's just let's just call it like it is he's a real peach <laughs> I just, um, I was going to say, I got reached out. So Jessica, I know I talked about my, my old co-worker. She uh, sent me a message on Facebook um, talking about kind of her, her reasoning why she felt like Beetlejuice was as uh, successful as it was and popular as it was. So her insight, um, and I, I think uh, makes a lot of sense. She was she said it was kind of in the in-between stage of like cartoons becoming more adult and things that were enjoyable mm. for kids becoming a little bit more enjoyable for adults so it was kind of right good. at the beginning of that and yeah, obviously some some more adult humor so I, w- I was on board with it and, and big dave was he was fired up i haven't heard the, the review yet but big dave was fired up to listen to it too because he loves beetlejuice i was expecting to take a little more heat for ranking it number 12 of 14 at the time but i mean i feel like i also said wonderful things about it it's just you know but so that's probably why dr dove hasn't reached out to me but i i didn't want to rain on your parade but you're not I mean, it's not mud in this in the springer house excuse me in the in the cash household but uh you uh you you've you've ruffled some feathers let's put it that way oh man i mean i still gave it a one a great rating <laughs> it's, it's okay did you tell whoever that i've put it above reservoir dogs i mean that should be a it was it was most it's kind of a, a recurring joke. It's like sometimes they're like I don't I don't understand where where Hightower's coming with his rankings, and I say hey, that's what that's the beauty of this show. We each got our own. So oh, yeah. I'm all over the place. I understand. I am too. And we and we got another one that we we were just talking about. It's going to be hard to uh, hard to rank today. I know. I don't even know where I'm putting it. So hopefully, I'll figure that out. I, I've said it, like I said three times, but today is today is the day. We, you know, episode fifteen. We we, we like to do, we like to do Kurt movies on on the five interval. Well, I don't want to say five intervals, but we we do Kurt movies ever so often on milestone episodes. So episode fifteen, we thought was a great time for Tango and Cash. Yeah, baby. If it's not Tango, it's Cash, and if it's not Cash, it's Tango. <laughs> so I have, like I mentioned last week, and um. 
we were just talking about it briefly. I, I've got some behind-the-scenes production stuff that has has really ramped up my appreciation for this movie over the years. So we'll dive into that too. But um, what uh, we didn't really talk about it too much last week. What's what's your history with this movie? I have a really strange history with this movie. I probably didn't even see this until. Well, in its entirety until, I don't know, maybe, gosh, I guess it's been probably 10 years now, but, like, I had always caught, like, bits and pieces on TV and just, like, never really watched the whole thing. But, man, once I did, I was just, I fell in love with it immediately. Just, I mean, obviously, I love Kurt. Sly is pretty awesome as well. But the, uh, the Harold Faltemeyer soundtrack and just, mm. like, you know, the typical, like, 80s buddy uh, cop movie, just you know, recipe for success. It's it's funny you mention that too, because I was thinking the same thing. Like I, um, I was actually at the Walmart where we uh, where we went to to college, and I was going through one night, and I was like, yeah, I want to buy a movie, and I was like, I want to buy a Kurt movie that I haven't seen before, and I happened to come across the Blu-ray for like five bucks. Nice. So very excited about that pickup. The first time I watched it, I was kind of like, okay, this is a interesting over the top movie. And just the more time goes on, the more it's like, man, I'm like you. It's like, I just, I've grown to appreciate it more and more each time I've watched it. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Like, I'm just going to put it out there right now. I'm going to, I'm going to share my hand and just let you know, I love this movie. That's okay. So much. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty much right there with you, man. This is uh, this one's up there for me too. Um, not just Kurt, but uh, also Sly. So I, I like I like it as one of my uh, higher ups in my Sly movies too. Which yep. we'll we'll talk about all that stuff later too. I'm with you, man. Some and some good, just some good uh, like low key villain appearances also. Oh yeah. So, if you're ready, I can dive into some of these uh, production issues. I'll, I'll try and condense it down because yeah, I, could, I could go for a while. <laughs> let's hear about it. So, the first thing, and just some interesting webs being woven here. So, try try and stay. I'll try and stay on one thread at a time. <laughs> but so the whole movie, like the the basic premise was, it was they they said the the, the producer, um, I think his name's John Peters. He said, I want a movie where two cops that have, like, totally contrasting styles end up getting arrested, and one of them falls in love with the other one's sister, and they have to prove their innocence. So, you know, basically, the premise of the movie, like, okay, and it was the 80s, so like we talked about, that's a pretty easy formula to follow, that's no big deal. So the original idea was this was supposed to be Sly and Arnold. Sly was all on board with it. He read it. He was on board with it. Arnold said no. He was not interested at the time. Interesting. So then they scrambled, and they're like, all right, well, we got to find somebody else to replace him. So they went with Patrick Swayze, and he was on board not very long. Like, obviously, they hadn't even started filming yet, and he backed out to do Roadhouse. Mm Mm-hmm. So then they were trying to scramble to find somebody else, and then they settled on Kurt. So Kurt was like the third choice of obviously of all this. So that's uh, to me that that's a you know that's BS, but that's okay. I understand <laughs> it in the '80s. I get it. You know yeah, that happens for like every movie. Oh, for sure. So then, <clears throat> and this this is kind of funny. But so Peters was actually one of the producers on Batman '89, Batman. Okay. 
And he was also going to be a producer of the 1990s Nicolas Cage Superman movie that never happened. That's right. And Kevin Smith, the, the one of the guys that was going to be writing it, and obviously he's you know, uh, from Jay and Silent Bob and directed a bunch of stuff, said his whole thing was he wanted to have... Spider or Superman, excuse me, not fly and fight a giant spider. Like those were his two prerequisites for that movie. That was Nick Cage saying that. No, that was Kevin Smith saying that about oh, this this okay. producer that wanted okay. to do this. So that movie never happened. But Peters went on to produce Wild Wild West, right. and for those of you that have seen that, know that they do fight a giant spider in that I, movie. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, you're gonna you're gonna talk about Wild Wild West. I could feel it. Of course, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoehorn it in. So anyway, <laughs> that was one part of it. So they started filming in July of '89 for a December release date. They hired a director that had only done like. I think a couple of foreign films and had like one American movie under his credit and he wanted to do like a totally like scathing review of like 80s action movies so he was trying to do something kind of like anti you know basically what it ended up being but this producer would like physically threaten people and like you were going to do it this way or else and like the more time went on the more people were just like all right whatever we'll just relent and do it this way so there was tons of rewrites which happens in movies too like script rewrites and stuff like that um the one of i think one of the original producer or not producers but somebody barry sonnenfeld the guy that directed uh, adam's family in the men in black movie mm-hmm. he was working on it originally ended up getting fired um Stallone, according to some people, which I this this stuff kind of irritates me because I feel like people just like to try and crap on Sly sometimes. But they're like he was flexing his muscles and getting people fired, like he did with some other movies and blah blah blah. Which I don't know that, that you, you you hear these stories and sometimes you think people are just bitter about it. So yeah, it's probably like half. It's probably half true. Yeah. And then my favorite part is just, like, the, the more it went on, the more rewrites and stuff like that, it just obviously kept getting more and more out of control. So they find, like, the guy that's the credited director, they let go, and they still hadn't filmed the end of the movie. <laughs> and you're going to love this, because I just, I literally, right before we started recording, I just found this bit of information. The guy that directed the last third of the movie is the director of Purple Rain, but more importantly, he directed <laughs> Prince's music videos for the Batman nice. soundtrack. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he sounds very qualified, though. He is, obviously. And if anybody's ever seen those, you'll understand. So, yeah, but, like, literally, um, they said they, like, finished the print and then sent it to the movie theaters for people to see. And Jack Palance went on Johnny Carson and was like, this was the worst experience I've ever had filming a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like there, and there's more to it, but I, I've taken up too much time anyway. So I just wanted to share that information. So, because the common criticism I've heard when I've showed people this movie is they're like, it's all over the place, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There's so many plot holes, and when you know the backstory behind it, you're like, it's amazing. This movie makes any sense, let alone <laughs> is as good as it is. It's a miracle it came out. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> there's definitely some plot holes, but I just try to like look past them and and enjoy the film. Oh yeah, and it's it's very enjoyable. No doubt. Well, that well that's good info. That's hey good. man, I I take I take my tango and cash very seriously. You did some good homework. 
<laughs> but now I've taken up what like 10 15 minutes now of backstory. We can we can get into it now if you if you are ready. We can definitely jump right in. I like to real quick though before we do, I like to think of this movie as uh, the closer for the 80s. And I say that because it came out like in late December. And so it probably wasn't the actual last movie of 89 to come out. There's probably some other stuff that like final week, but in my mind this is just like the perfect like bow on a decade of 80s movies. It's just like it's just perfection. I I totally agree. It, it I think they said it was like the last big budget movie to come out in the 80s. Yeah, probably. So we're just going to say for our show it's the last movie that came out in the yep. 80s. This is the closer. Facts facts be damned, this is the way it's going to be. This is the Mariana Rivera of 80s movies. I love it. This is the Trevor Rosenthal of 80s movies. Yes. <laughs> Dennis Ricky, Eckersley. Oh, the Ricky Batalico. Oh, my. They're mine. I'm trying, think of, trying to think of bad was, Cardinals closers. I was going to say Dave Veers. Dave Veer. Jason Isringhausen of 80s movies. There you go. He actually, he actually had some good years, though. He did. He they 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 got a few good years out. About three or four, yeah. He's just like he would like walk like three dudes and then just strike everyone out. Like that's yeah. It was <laughs> once you accepted it, it, was like oh my god, he's gonna blow it. Like after a while, you're just like nah, he'll he'll get out of it. Yep. Just put people on strike out, strike out, strike out. Yep. It'll Every be time. fine. Seemed I like... want to be more dramatic. Right. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Yeah, man. So um, I'm gonna admit it right out of the shoot to this opening. Uh, opening theme that you hear kind of throughout the movie i listen to this song on youtube way more than i care to admit i do too especially this weekend i've been listening to that this weekend i love it it's i i do too and like you said harold faltemeyer like obviously from beverly hills cop and top gun top gun he, i mean obviously he, he did a he did a lot of movies in the 80s but man i just i listen to this all the time but yeah we open with that <laughs> with that car chase and Man, like any good 80s movie, it's a car chase. He's about out of his jurisdiction. <laughs> and then, <laughs> this is the stuff that I love about this movie, too. So he gets way out in front, turns the car sideways, and then takes his revolver out, unloads all the bullets, and loads them back in. My wife and I were watching yesterday. She goes, why did he change bullets? I said, for dramatic effect. Yeah, it was a bold move, for sure. Just... Like, it's a huge, like, dump truck, or, you know, it's a huge truck barreling down at him. He's just going to park his little, like, convertible in front of him and I know. just take out his revolver. And, I mean, hey, it worked. I don't... Obviously, yeah. He gets, uh, shoots the, the windshield out, and I'm not sure why uh, they, they stopped like they do. Like, if I'm them, I'm just plowing right through. But, yeah, man, they, they crash, and it's a nice stun effect, because that... That's kind of a, a big fall, but uh, the only the only other note is I put as Robert Zadar. <laughs> Dude, the chin. That's what I wrote. Robert Zadar, the chin. Of Samurai Cop fame, of course. Is it Samurai Cop or is it? Uh, I thought it was Maniac Cop or whatever. Yeah, it's Samurai or, Cop. Is it okay? Yeah. Good old Robert. <laughs> I just, one of the be- one of the best bad movies I've ever seen. <laughs> it's that chin is just so distracting. Man, I, it's it's hard to imagine like how it ha- it just looks like like I can remember when I first saw this movie when I had I had my wisdom teeth out they ended up getting infected and like my jaw swelled up really bad and I'm I have a picture that looks like it looks exactly like that so I'm like oh my goodness like what happened to this guy 
That's awesome. Wait, what what movie did you say it was? Samurai Cop? Yeah. Yeah, there it is. He actually is in both Maniac Cop and Samurai Cop. How about that? We oh, both, I did not I did not know that. We were both right. Well, hot damn. How about that? The more you know again. And guess where Harold Faltemeyer was born? Where? Germany. No, well, I guess the last name maybe should Munich. give it away. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, actually, it totally would make, it make sense, but... Munich, okay. Hans Hugo Harald Faltemeyer. I like the Munich. abbreviation. It makes it a little easier. Yeah, Harold's a good call. <laughs> and I appreciate, too, going uh, going back to the movie here. So they, they, they fly out of the windshield. You know, all the cops are there like, you know, what, what are you doing? You, this guy's blah, 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 and just yelling at him. You know, he thinks he's Rambo. You know, good good for Sly poking fun at Rambo. Yeah, taking you know? a shot at his own character. I love it. Absolutely. What a what a nice uh, what a nice touch. We find out that what do you know? It's snowing. <laughs> Anybody want to get high? <laughs> I swear hey, there's before... I swear there's oh, another cut of this movie where he says anybody want to party. I don't know why, but he definitely says anybody want to get high. But like there's I, a, I, I thought that quote was well, anybody want to party for some reason. There's um I, there's a trailer. There's there's other trailers out there that has like additional takes. I wonder. Maybe. Maybe it was in a trailer or something. I don't know. Mm, I know what it is. It's the Mandela effect. That's got. That's got to be what it is. It's an alternate timeline. Bernstein Bears. <laughs> I will stick Sin, to that till the day I die. Sinbad the genie. Oh man, I can remember seeing it at the movie store. I'm not actually a. Nandela effect believer just for the record you are not no I think it's just people misremembering and then like pop culture like quoting things incorrectly and then people who see it like for instance like in Tommy Boy when he's like Luke I am your father mm-hmm. they, that quotes them so misremembered because everyone says it wrong and like movies and other like you know forms of it's media true. and then you're like oh that, that quote's totally different but yeah yeah no, I, 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 I'm, I'm on board with that. I'm not, I'm not a total believer myself. There's some things that I'm like, I swear this is the way it was, but I also yeah. know that there's days when I'm not sure what I had for breakfast. So. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Fair enough. And I was gonna say I didn't, I, I didn't want to skip over it, but uh, Sly's captain, Ray Tango's captain, is Jeffrey Lewis, who is the father of Juliet Lewis. Oh. Of, Christmas vacation fame, and well, as well as other things, of course. How about that? Nice touch. Do you know? Do you know who uh, Cash's captain is? Yeah, I was gonna say. I I I was gonna mention that when we get to Eddie Bunker, uh, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Brown. Is it Mr. Brown or is he Mr. Blue? Mr. Blue, right? He's Mr. Blue. Brown. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, right. Yeah, because Brown was quitting. But yeah, Mr. Blue. So <laughs> I was. I had this whole thing written out of my notes as like alternate timeline where. He gets so jaded with the justice system after the way Cash was treated that he quits right. and decides to go on a diamond heist. <laughs> yeah, just a few, a few years later, he's, you know, smashing up a jewelry store. That's right, and never to be seen from again. Fall from grace. <laughs> and this is to, like, right after that whole um, initial drug bust scene with the, the semi, that's where Eves Perrette, Jack Palance, drives by and... Mm-hmm. You get to hear a little bit about it, like you say. If it's not cash, it's tango. If it's not tango, it's cash. I love Palance in this movie, but he's essentially just doing the same thing he did in Batman. 
Same year, too. But technically, wasn't this filmed first because of all the crap they went through? Like, I'm trying to... I don't know. I feel out. like didn't Batman come out in like June of that year though? Yeah, but I mean, didn't wasn't this thing in like production hell like you were just telling us? Like, I feel like they, yeah, but they start they started filming in '89. Okay, so maybe yes, like maybe they, they literally filmed this like five yeah. months before the movie came out. <laughs> in two weeks. That's pretty much what it boiled down to. But yeah. most importantly, I want to make sure that this gets mentioned. I did, he has a couple of sidekicks, and I'm not going to go through everything, but very importantly, that it's we have to point out that uh, Quan, I believe is his, his name in the movie, is played yes. by James Kong, David Lopan, most David importantly. David Lopan. Hey, I'm glad you brought that up. I know you already said you haven't seen the, the latest Mortal Kombat movie, but um, I feel like uh, the Raiden character in the new Mortal Kombat movie is like even more... Uh, like spot on for a big trouble reference like they like the hat is even closer to the storms and it's got oh, like really? the, it's got the i'm not gonna give any you know any of the plot away obviously but yeah like, he's got like the like white lightning eyes like i mean it's definitely definitely feels even more like big trouble that is interesting because I know obviously they talked about like that was one of the inspirations for the character yeah for initially Raiden, yeah. but uh, that is interesting, and now I'm I'm really gonna have to fire it up and actually finally watch it. Yeah, it's the written character's not in it a whole lot, but like when I, when I first saw him, I was like, oh wow, yeah, they're definitely they're definitely just straight up calling back to Big Trouble. Feels like nice. But, As yeah. well, they should. Amen, brother. So, yeah, now we got the introduction of uh, our, one of our main characters and our main bad guy. Now we get the introduction of the most important character, obviously, <laughs> Gabriel Cash coming home with... <laughs> I, I love that music that plays when he, like... <laughs> it's so... I don't know, it's like whimsical and silly, like when he comes pulling in. Yeah. I love that that music when the kids come, like, charging his car or whatever, <laughs> but... Um, Dude, the whole soundtrack is just phenomenal. The whole, it whole is. score. It is. That's a good it's point. Great. Hey, also, like while we're talking about Kurt, Kurt's hair, is this the best? Is 89, is Tango and Cash his best hair? It's so funny you mention that, because I literally, so this is my note. A Gabriel Cash, Kurt, comes home and gets ambushed by Assassin, and then in parentheses, glorious hair. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's phenomenal. Did you notice, in a few scenes, it changes length? Oh, no, I did not. When it first comes home, it's like down, like in between its shoulder blades, and then yeah. like when they're in prison, and it's and they're in the shower, like it's down to like his neck area. Yeah, that's so a good, it's, that's a good call. It's definitely longer at first. You're right. You're totally right. I'm I'm just gonna come out and admit this too. Like I watched this movie way more in depth and way more detailed than anyone should. So mm -hmm. some of the things I'm gonna point out probably a little ridiculous. I'll level with you. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. this is the best. Kurt's hair has ever been and will ever be. No, I totally agree. It remind like I it's wonder if like, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh like, yeah, the de aging thing that they do. Like I wonder if this is what they based it off of almost because it, maybe it it's similar. I thought you were gonna say Guardians, uh, Kurt's hair off of that, but oh like, no, like old Kurt. I think he looks phenomenal though, especially with like the beard. Like that's got to be up there I as well. I mean, let's just be honest. Is there a time where it hasn't looked good? I mean, like maybe Stargate because he's got the uh, flat top going. I'm trying to think, like, what else? Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, usually he's. I mean, like, Big Trouble. 
he's got it going. Yeah. Escape well, he's from, like the Undertaker, though. He's got, he's got it going. Yeah. He's got to reinvent himself and and change the hair up sometimes. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Like I just, yeah, it's. <laughs> I think this is this is the winner. This is a gold medal. I th- I'm I'm right there with you, man. Because like I said, I literally wrote that down. Like his hair is just phenomenal in this movie. <laughs> And this is an awesome, like, opening little chase scene, too, for him. Um, Dude, it totally th- reminds me of Big Trouble. Like, the when they get to the, oh, yeah. the parking, like, that when that car, like, whips around the corner like that, it's, like, straight up out of Big Trouble. 100%. And this is something else, too. Like, every time I watch this movie, I forget it's rated R because it feels like it should be, like, a PG-13 movie most of the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And then, like, there's that couple in the back of the car when they hit it. I'm oh, like, yeah. whoa! <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a, I mean, not a lot of nudity, but there's several scenes, I feel like. There, there's a fair amount of it, too, yeah. Yeah. No doubt Such about Such great it. one-liners, too. I'm from Perestroika! <laughs> Welcome, Welcome to, to America! America. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, I feel like, uh, Kurt and Sly were maybe, like, writing their own one-liners, and, like, a lot of them don't hit. But then some of them are pretty awesome like i mean stallone just throws them out like every two seconds he's got one-liners just after one-liners so i was like man like this is like overkill so it's funny you mentioned that i gotta go back to the production stuff for, okay. for a second part of part of some of the people's complaints were sly was doing some rewrites of the script oh, I and he was inserting a lot of his uh, one-liners in there so it's very funny you mentioned that. He's like, he probably wrote the one-liner in there, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Because, like, in that first that first scene with the car and the truck, he rips off, like, ten of them in about five minutes. So it's like, dang. Yeah. I, I didn't even think about it until I actually my my wife and I were watching it. And she actually, I was surprised. She I, I asked her before I came down, I was like, do you actually like this movie? And she's like, yeah, I mean... <laughs> She she's she's certainly grown her appreciation of it, but at the beginning of the movie, she's like, I can't stand Sylvester Stallone at the beginning of this movie, and yeah. as the movie goes on, I like him better. He is totally like a yuppie turd at the beginning, which I mean, we're supposed to like kind of be annoyed with him, I think, but right. But yeah, it's funny though <sighs> that him him being like the preppy West Side cop is just him putting on a pair of glasses and like a suit. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Well, you mentioned stocks and bonds, too. Right, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so dumb, but awesome. I, so, this is something else, too, so I'm move, moving forward from that. So um, Tango is walking into the precinct and, you know, like, oh, look at this, and they hands him the newspaper and has, has Kurt's headline in there, and they're going back and forth like, hey, Catherine's in your office. So we get the introduction of what we find out is his sister, Catherine, played by Terry Hatcher, and... They're talking, you know, going back and forth, like, what are you going, blah, blah, blah. And then he, he go, they, they mention, like, I'm going on a dance tour. I'm like, is a dance tour a thing? Like, <laughs> is that something I'm just not aware of? It's a dance tour, you know, where, like, you bring drumsticks and, like, dance and drum at the same time. <laughs> it's sweeping the I nation. Have, I have some comments about that scene later, but, yes, that's a good point. Maybe I just, I need to get on board with it, just express myself through the art of dance. I have comments about that scene as well. I'm excited. I can't wait. <laughs> so, yeah, we get that. And then I, this is the other thing, too. Like, so they're both they're both L.A. detectives. And I don't understand why Tango's 
precinct is like pristine and glowing and Cassius is like a dump crap hole of a precinct. Like they mention it very quickly. Like just like, you know, Cash is the downtown detective and uh, Tango is the, you know, like that supper, but like more Hollywood, you know, like precinct. That's fair. Yeah, I've obviously. And plus it would be not as fun of a movie if both of them were like preppy cops. So, I mean, I, I get yeah. it. It was just like, man, that like <clears throat> he's walking in. There's like glass shattered. On the they're, steps, they're, not, it feels like. they're not different enough, though. Honestly, it's like if they're going to play that east side, west side, you know, like, you know, kind of like yuppie preppy cop versus, you know, the gritty downtown guy. Like they, they did not do a good job of like no. making them different. No, I agree. It's because they both are like it's. It seems like half the movie is just those two just trying to one up each other with one liners. Which I love. They should have just, you know, they should have just thrown out that like trying to make them so different. Just you know. No, I totally agree. And then on top of all that, like these two are clearly having a blast with this. Oh yeah. And it's a shame to me that we haven't gotten more Sly and Kurt movies. It really is. Like you can tell, Kurt's kind of like. I mean, Kurt's awesome, but you can tell Kurt is like a team player, and like he, yeah, like he like sets people up, and I feel like he, like I feel like he's just really easy to work with, just because he's worked with so many different people, yeah, and they all have nothing but nice things to say about him after the fact. So yeah, you can just tell he's like a, he's a good <laughs> guy to John work Leguizamo. with. Well, that's because Kurt almost had to beat the crap out of him. Yeah, well, you know, we'll we'll cover that one day, baby. But yeah. Anyway, I don't want to. We've we've obviously uh, yeah, gone hey, pretty in depth with yeah. just opening. So <laughs> let's let's take a we're, quick break. We, okay. We'll we'll be huddle and uh, we'll come back strong. We're gonna give you more fun facts, but we're we're gonna go at the movie a little bit harder. I promise <laughs> this time, guys. We will talk less about Jason Isringhausen this time. <laughs> more about Dave Veers, though. And Steve Klein. Yes, obviously. <laughs> All right, we'll uh, see you in a few. Ciao, babe. These two cops are driving me crazy. We have to do something about this. Hey, welcome back. I'll tell you what, man. I, I'm i just having a blast talking about this, and I'm excited to keep talking about it. So excited to be back. Yeah, let's do it. Let's jump in. <laughs> and we can learn some... Uh, we can take English 101. <laughs> well, some good police brutality. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Such a... <laughs> I love that scene. It's just you can't you can't interrogate the guy. And then he throws that chair on. And he keeps leaning up, and he's like, "Oh, look at that! You're picking up on it real fast." It's just I love what it the too. hell is this? English 101. I love it too. That in this downtown precinct, like the the room where he's being questioned is also a bathroom. Yes, like obviously. A, I mean, that's the best place to question room, somebody. Interrogation room. <laughs> Makes sense. It is important though, because uh, he gets he gets some information on um, on the drug deal going down. Um, so that's how Cash finds out. Mm-hmm. This, and this goes back to the, like kind of the script being all over the place. And then we cu- cut back to Tango getting his. Well, I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. So, but then when they but then Tango is like, we got an anonymous tip. Here's the you know here's the drug deal going down. Like, is it reliable? Yeah, very reliable. Okay, cool. So that's how we're going to advance the plot. So the funny thing is, is that, like, 
um, Jack Palance's character says he doesn't want to just simply kill them. However, the assassin that was trying to kill Cash, <laughs> like, um, like you know, was very close, like, shot him several times. He's wearing a jack, uh, a bulletproof vest, but, but then also was given this info to leak to Cash to get him to be set up. That's, I mean, that's just, that's quite the process to go through. So I have I have a I have a theory on that now I I again I agree with you it's still way too in depth but so they go through that whole scene where the assassin tries to kill him shoots him in the chest they go through that driving you know in the parking garage and then when he's coming up on the elevator and they're like man that could have killed you he's like ma he only used like half of like this guy's a total amateur like to me him saying that is like a way of trying to make it sound like this guy deliberately did it that way and didn't try and kill him. But I'm like you, like there's way too many times if that was the case that he came real close to killing him. Yeah, there's no way the guy would put his life on the line like that, take shots at him, and then do that chase if his intent was to give cash fake info. Yeah. Like he wouldn't have made it that hard. I also... He could have been killed. Oh yeah, 100%. <clears throat> I made a note too. So, like in between, when Cash finds out about the drug deal and Tango, they they go to Perret and his hideout. <laughs> Dude, I love this. I wrote, I have a note about this great bad guy compound. Look at all those henchmen. <laughs> I mean, that's true. I do I do appreciate that. But my my question was, he's sitting there watching all this footage. I said, where did he get that footage? Like I. Mm-hmm. Great like call. that's my that's my big question. Like who's who's filming these drug busts, and then who's leaking it to Perret? <laughs> He's got a drone, man. He's ahead of the game. That's true, but yeah, I agree with you, man. What a phenomenal bad guy compound, and Dude. so so many henchmen. There's so many bad guys there. Like man, they must have a good uh, must be good benefits or something. That's just so great, Dude, and, and, and we saw the multiple TVs again. We've seen that in several movies now. Hey, I'm t- that's what you do if you're a bad guy, especially in the 80s and 90s. Gosh. If if you have one TV, you're not a good bad guy. And we can we can go a progression like Dennis Hopper. He only had a handful. He didn't have a very good plan. Shredder, he had a bit of an empire. He had more. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Joker. You know, like it's how many TVs you have in your bad guy layer is a direct correlation to how good of a bad guy you are. It's <laughs> a great call, actually. It's it makes sense. Listen. It's it's a theory, but it's it holds up under under scrutiny. Dude, you know what else kills me is so Palance is talking and he keeps pulling those rats out. You know, like one's supposed to be Cash. And oh, yeah. Hightower. Why does he keep smelling those rats? I don't know. He does it throughout the whole movie too. Dude, dude drives me crazy. Like, I know he's like just kind of like in the moment as an actor and you know doing whatever, going for it. But he keeps smelling those rats. It's so bizarre. It's so weird too, and he handles them like. <laughs> I, it's just strange. Like, I'm like you. It's, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, get those things away from your face and stop smelling them. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, rats are actually pretty good pets. Like, they can be trained to be pretty calm and stuff. Like, my sister used to have some rats, but... Yeah. It, yeah. You don't have to smell them every ten seconds. Yeah. Well, and they're... I mean, they're pretty talented, too. They, you know... Yeah. They can uh, mimic your karate moves and travel to America to avenge your death, so... <laughs> Absolutely. That's... I mean... <laughs> That after, you're right, good good pets. After you come home from your construction job, and <laughs> your your mouse is doing karate in a, in a birdcage. 
you punch you punch the clock to come home to find your wife dead. Yeah, I mean, he's he's gonna be there for you. That's what rats do. <laughs> oh boy, great callback. <laughs> oh my goodness. So anyway, sorry we um. We we promised we'd stay on task, and, if and that's like just more discussion about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. That's uh that's in the Cash and Hightower backlog. It is. Check it out. What was that episode four? I don't know. It probably. It's a great guess. It was either. Maybe it was three. It was early. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Go go back and take a listen. Even if you listen to it once, listen to it again. Why not? Amen. I do it. Um. So, so now we get to the uh, now we get to the drug deal scene, or I guess the the supposed drug deal scene, and <laughs> I get this is just I'm like you, man. This the whole movie should have just been Kurt and Sly just going back and forth at one another yeah, because so good. God, as soon as they meet up here, <laughs> are we doing on my case? What makes it your case? So I've been on it for three months. Oh, it looks how shows how dumb you are. I've been on yeah. it for a half hour and I'm all caught up. <laughs> That's actually a really good. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's some like one-liners that are like great zingers, and there's some that just kind of like l- fall flat. But that's a great one. I th- I don't know, but I th- I think the ones that fall flat because I'm like you. There's definitely some that like don't land, but there's the ones that don't land. It's when they're like by themselves. Like if they're together, for the most part, I feel like a yeah. lot of them land. Yep, I agree. I think the back and forth between the two of them is good. What's it like being the second best cop in L.A.? <laughs> Man, funny, I heard, <laughs> funny I heard the same thing about you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But this is, uh, like I said, this is where we find out, you know, this whole thing was a setup that one guy's dead in the chair and he's got a recorder on him. And mm-hmm. earlier, we didn't mention it, but when, when Cash was at the precinct, he's like, somebody's been, you know, where's my oh, gun? Yeah. Or somebody's been messing with my gun, like hinting that somebody's either messed with or taken his gun. And then we find out that it was used as the murder weapon. And again, like, I'm like you, when they talked about with the assassin, it it being so over the top, like, (laughs) so somebody leaked this so Tango could hear it. Cash, let's just go under the assumption that that assassin was sent there to give him that information, even though that's ridiculous. Then they killed this guy, set up a recording device, which if when they played the recording back, like, it's... I don't know how you could have had that record. Like, it's just so convoluted and so over the top. But yeah, it makes like they do a good job of not spending any time on it because it's so dumb. Yeah. So like, I I like that they just kind of like plow forward. I do too. Yeah. There's there's no hesitation here. But yeah, we we find out, and you know that's that was the whole game plan, and they uh, yeah they have to go on trial after this and. Perrette's obviously, you know, yucking it up. <laughs> it's crazy how quick they take a plea, a plea deal, though. Like, I don't know. I feel like they could have successfully fought this thing. I mean, I know they had the leading experts, you know, telling them, co- corroborating the. Yeah, the, that's uh, true. The audio and stuff, but I mean, just gosh, it makes no sense. <laughs> the, the the whole like. The whole trial scene cracks me up too. That they they get that assassin up there. It's like, I'm telling you, this scarecrow could talk. <laughs> scarecrow, you know, and they going back and forth, and then the the scene between the two of them whenever they're agreeing to take the plea deal. And <laughs> I just want to say I don't think very highly of you, Cash. Oh, thanks. Whenever, let me know when the critique's over. <laughs> when they're when they're talking to each other and they're talking about like they're trying to figure out who's got seniority or whatever. 
Oh, God. It's funny that they are assuming that they're both born in the same year. Yeah, obviously. I mean... Because they're like, wait, they're like, what? what? When's your birthday? <laughs> yeah, he's like, March. He's like, ah, oh, February, or, you know, whatever. It's like, dude, what if he was born in, you know, like, the year prior to you? Like, why are you right. assuming that you're the same, like, born in the same year? So I never weird. thought about that. That's a really good point. Yeah, but it's so weird. Like, they only say months. They don't say years. It's, a, it's I mean... It's a good point, but uh, it's again like the rest of this movie. Like, don't don't hold it under a microscope because you're going to yes. find holes in it. <laughs> right. I mean, we're calling all this out, but I would still say this movie's flawless and has no has no issues <laughs> whatsoever. I have to I have to say too of the two of them giving their statement to the court. Cash's statement is just head and shoulders above Tango's. This whole thing, Evan, sucks. <laughs> hey, I'll start cheering. <laughs> I love, dude. Kurt's just line delivery is great in that scene. Just nails it. I wish I could be as eloquent as Mr. Tango here. <laughs> so great. Oh, yeah, but that's, uh, you know, that's the plea deal. And then, like I said, we see Perret. They go back to his compound, and he's, you know, gloating about his victory. And then come to find out that the uh, Tango and Cash were not sent to Lompoc, minimum security. <laughs> that's right. They got sent to a bad place. <laughs> what do you have to say now? I don't think there's a golf course here. <laughs> All right, so hey, let's talk about let's talk about Pratt's plan. Yes. Maybe you can clear some stuff up for me. I'll try. So I think Quan or you know James Hong or David Lopez, whatever. One we're of just, them we're asks, just yeah, we'll just call him Lopan from now on. Yeah, right. Lopan. That makes more <laughs> sense. So one of them asks Palance about you know, or like one of them like allude, or, you know, says like yeah, we can take care of it, whatever. And Palance like specifically is like no, like we need to. Like, he obviously doesn't want to kill them. He wants to put them in jail for 18 months. Mm-hmm. And, but because why? Like, so, I, I know they got a big shipment coming in. You know, they don't want to... Yeah. Just, but, like, why can't they just kill him? Like, what, what was his reasoning for that? So, I think... And this is just looking at it through a lens of trying to make it actually logistically make sense and be a reasonable plan... I think what his plan was to to frame them for something they didn't do so they're not like heroes for getting killed in action Mm -hmm. and bring down more scrutiny on them. So he wants to set them up, get them arrested, and then I think because of how much money he has, he obviously pulled the strings to get them whatever prison. I don't even think they ever say what prison they ended up taking them to. But I think he was like, okay, so no matter what, as long as they either plead guilty or are found guilty, then they get taken to this prison, and then I can send my goons after him and be killed in prison, and nobody's going to care because they just got convicted of murder. Gosh, so he just, he cares about how his people are viewed in their death? I think it's not so much that, it's more of like, if they get killed while they're still viewed as heroes in the community, then it's going to be like both precincts working together to try and figure out who was behind it. I see. So that'd be like, yeah, just more. Yeah, more like the less visibility. Okay. okay. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll buy that, actually. And I think it's easier to pay cops off and judges and things like that to get them transferred to wherever he gets them transferred to. So that's that's what I take away from it. Now, is that what they did in the movie? I have no idea. It's Probably not. So but so crazy to me that he... You know, it makes a big deal about how he doesn't want to kill him and, you know, wants to frame him for all this stuff. And then as soon as they're in prison, he, like, sneaks in and tries to kill him. <laughs> Begin the unnecessarily slowly moving, dipping right. mechanism. <laughs> right. 
It's like you should listen to Lopan. Lopan was just ready just to you know knock him out, knock him off himself. Like, yeah, he not a good boss. No, he way way too way too in depth. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I'm just going to close the door and assume that they're dead. What's wrong with that? <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! And I, so. Just again, like we again, we were my wife and I were watching this yesterday, and we we're just laughing about the movie itself. Like this is totally a dude movie um, with everything that goes on with it. So we were we were watching this in that shower scene. Like, I, why why is yours bigger? You know, take it easy, tripod, and you know, yeah. what, easy peewee. She's like, I don't understand what they're saying. So I started laughing. I was like, they're talking about the size of their manhood, dear. Oh, okay. <laughs> don't flatter yourself. Peewee. So great. That's I don't know you. I don't know you that well. <laughs> There's just all kinds of great lines in that scene. What? It's it's is it's, it's got to be right. What do you think? <laughs> I think without. I think you're unarmed and very dangerous. Like it's just. <laughs> Oh, and the nice, uh, you know, when they're going to their jail cell, too, you know, general population, nice uh, nice subtle Arnold jab, too, with uh, Robert Zadar again. Like, oh, loved um, you and Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, he says it a couple times, too. He, he does. I think he, call, yeah, I think he just ends up calling him Conan. Yeah, I think he does the second time. He slams his face into the cell. Oh, yeah. Plus, you get a uh, brief but uh, fun Clint Howard cameo in the movie. That's right. Yeah, it's the, the slinky roommate. This is my pet. Hey, why is this prison on like fire? Like when they're walking through the, there's there's like just random fires everywhere in this prison. Yeah, and um, the guards just don't care. Just walking right past it. Are we on a like dystopian future in this prison? Like what's what's happening? I don't know. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a prequel to Demolition Man. I don't I don't know. Maybe um, it's so weird. I, it's it's so strange to me, and this is the one scene like them walking to the jail cell. Like this is the one scene of them going back and forth with the one-liners. I'm like, all right, some of these don't land for me. Like it, it's yeah. too much. Yeah, I agree. This scene's not great. <sighs> but we go from that at least to <laughs> them getting snagged up in the middle of the night and down into the laundry room scene. And I don't know how many times I've seen this and I laugh every time you know don't panic and they finally kind of meet Perrette and all this other stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to kill my half and use it for a bully ball go right ahead but I want to get I don't want to get killed by this limey immigrant jerk off I want to get killed by an American that is a jerk great, off <laughs> that is a great line don't panic <laughs> I like it too where uh, what's these? Oh, this is this is where they like specifically call out Robert Zadar's face. He's there, like, you broke that jaw. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love that they call it out in the movie. Even. I was having a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and why are there freaking cells in that laundry room? Did you notice that? No, I didn't. Like when that fight breaks out, you know, and like there, that little skirmish breaks out. There are there are cells with prisoners in the cells within that room. No, I just saw, like, the laundry chutes and stuff like that. I didn't... Yeah, they're, like, right next to the machines. It makes no sense. I, I mean, totally did not catch that. I haven't, been in, I haven't been in a single prison in my life, but I feel like that wouldn't be the case. But Yeah, I have not either. I could, I, could check with, uh, I could check with Papa Cash. My uncle's a prison... used to be a prison guard, actually. I'll ask him, too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, good point. His name is uh, Big Boss Man. Big Boss Man, yeah. <laughs> Cobb County, Georgia. Ray, Ray Trailer. <laughs> Rest in peace. Who are you? 
just think of me as someone who doesn't like you very much. <laughs> God, he's so over the top in everything he does, man. Do you know who I love in this movie? Who I just absolutely love? Besides Kurt? Well, yeah, obviously Kurt. <laughs> Who's that? I don't know if his first name is Matt or Max, but Matt Matt Sikowski, assistant warden. Oh, yeah, what a hero. I love this guy. He doesn't, he's not in it long enough. He's in, a, he's in two scenes. He actually has way more dialogue than he sh- probably should, but... Agreed, yeah. I love this guy. This guy's great. What a, what a great guy, you know, just comes in, ri- you know, rides in the day, saves them from getting electrocuted and killed, <laughs> and gives them the escape plan, and pay, then he gets his throat cut. <laughs> pays the ultimate price, but man, what a... What a good dude! Like you know, he knows he's in, you know, he's in over his head. There's all these guys being paid off, and he's still gonna help him out. And I, it just sounds like he's from like chi- like Chicago. He does. Like when he's talking <laughs> to these guys. I love he's got, it, man. He, he's got loyalty to Cash. I, I I can appreciate that. I love Sikowski. All right. I guess. I gotta say, you know, and Tango. Tango's against it, and he's he's not for the plan to escape, and yep. you know he's he's quick to be like I don't I don't I don't trust him, blah, blah blah. Like he literally just saved you from being killed. Yeah, no kidding. Like why is he? Yeah, he is he is rude to him right out of the gate. He he's rude to pretty much everybody in this movie. Let's be honest. That's true. That's true. I was gonna say except his captain, but he smashes a screen door into his captain's face. So no, he's rude to everybody. <laughs> He's a hater. He is. <laughs> oh, yeah. So then we get the prison escape, which is very yes, exciting. It is. Um, I love to, like, and again, we were watching this, and my wife, you know, half paying attention while we're watching this, and that first part where Cash goes into, like, that fan room, and then he's going to go out, and then we see that Matt died, and then Robert Zadar's leading the prison guards out. She's like, wait, wasn't he after Tango? I was like, yeah. She's like, why is he after cash? I said, I don't know. Don't worry about it. And she's like, why is he leading the prison guards? I said, again, don't worry about it. It's not, it's not worth asking those questions. Yeah, it makes total sense. But I also think, and um, I'm just assuming here, but you know what happens when you assume. This is the uh, science lesson you were talking about last week oh, when we yeah. referred to this movie. Yes. <laughs> where you were like, he's like... What's he say? He's like, are we, is it safe? Are we going to get electrocuted? And he's like, yeah, as long as your feet aren't touching the ground and you're just touching the one wire, I think. Or something like that. Like, well, not it. only not only that, too. Like, what are the most dangerous power lines in existence? Like, it's raining and power lines are crackling yeah. all over the place. Mm-hmm. That, like, that roof is just collecting water. They need a drainage system on that thing. Yeah, no kidding. Seems like a recipe for disaster. And I, I don't know if you've seen it or not before, but there's an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where, like the beginning of it, the 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 power goes out or like the breaker's broken or something like that, and they're trying to get Charlie to fix it, and they're talking, they're going back and forth, and he goes, "Well, I'm I'm not touching the wire with my feet on the ground. I've seen Tango and Cash. Like, give me a harness or something so I I'm hanging <laughs> off the ground." I was like, "Oh God, that's fantastic. I'm so nice. glad they called that out." <laughs> I've seen like two or three episodes of that show. I need to like just watch it. I feel like you reference it a lot, and I love all of the references. 
it's uh it's good stuff it uh it's it's one of those shows that it's gone on longer than it should like the last i think they're in season like 16 now like the last like four or five seasons have just been terrible um oh, they're still like making new episodes yeah but they oh, only wow. did like they're, they're short seasons they're like 12 episodes or something so i had no idea yeah the first honestly like the first 10 are, are pretty good nice but they're they, like they're like I said they're short seasons. Yeah, I remember like thinking the first ones I watched were funny. I just I don't know why I just just stopped. But it, it gets better when Danny DeVito joins. Yes, I need to I need to pick back up. Hey, when they uh, once they escape successfully, I forgot one of them makes a comment about you know a coffee and a Danish or whatever, and mm-hmm. Stallone says I hate Danish. Do you get that dig? I do, yes. It was uh, shortly after the divorce with... Uh, Brigitte. Brigitte. <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. Great line. Mrs. Drago. I don't, know if, I don't know if I've ever caught that before. Like, I feel like that was new to me. I definitely never picked up on Like, I would have never, ever caught it unless I read something online where, like, yeah, the that line was a direct reference of t- his dis- <laughs> divorce with Brigitte Nielsen. I was like, or Brigitte Nielsen. I was like, um, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. You probably could have made it a little bit more deliberate, but that's fine. You know, no big deal. <laughs> oh, boy. I have to say, too, we, we find out, obviously, we, we go from that, they escape, and then, um, you know, they, they go their sequ- separate ways, and we find out that <clears throat> Perrette is not a fan of insistent people. Yeah. Very true. It flies off the handle whenever they, and to those guys' credit, like you said, they said, "Why don't we just kill them?" Mm-hmm. And we could have avoided all of this. Yep, they. Yep, I'm with Quan. Uh, I'm with Lopan and Lopez. Lopan Hench- and henchman Lopez. number two. Yeah. <laughs> I just I thought that as it always made me laugh. I'm like. You have no legs to stand on here, Perrette. Like you literally set up this incredibly elaborate scheme. And it has 100% backfired, and now you're mad at your people because you couldn't just say, yeah, just go shoot him in the head and be done with it. If I was, like, rewriting this movie, I would have had Quan, like, after this mistake Pret makes, Quan just takes a gun and shoots him in the head and <laughs> takes over operations. And, and then I it like it. introduces the karate guy before the final scene of the movie also. Yeah, kind of kind of does, like, uh, what they do in Last Action Hero, the yeah, like the first uh, yeah. bad guy. Yep. Gets killed. Yeah, I like that. That's a good idea. Lopan's way better. Would have been a way better villain. Yeah, like, Lopan. Don't get me wrong. I like Palance, but yeah, it would have been a good swerve. So this is another thing too that makes me laugh. Like, and you you mentioned that karate guy before the end of the movie. So after this, they go and then Cash just walks into the experimental firearms testing facility. Lab, yeah. <laughs> and then we meet another new character, Owen. Um, Michael Michael Pollard, which is such a weird character anyway, but it's like <laughs> just like an hour into the movie, like oh here's another new character, like where the hell did this come from? Yeah, and he's he's different. He is like I'm not so sure he should be working at this place. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. But he does have some cool uh, inventions that do come up in the final battle. So, but like he that, does, that, and like, I that dog gun he has, like I feel like could have very easily killed someone in that lab. That's true, but it, it leads to uh, a, a, a GIF or GIF or whatever you say, and a, and a meme that I use all That's the time right. with Kurt giving the thumbs up. So yep. That is a good one. It wouldn't have happened if it had not been for Oven. Way to go, man. 
You say it's it's GIF. That's how I pronounce it. I don't know. Okay, if I'm actually not. Right. It works for me. I say that all the time, and I don't like I said I don't know the pronunciation. I'm not I'm not hip or with it. I believe it's pronounced YIF. It's a, it's a <laughs> soft, soft G. YIF. <laughs> <laughs> it's the pancake breakfast. We do it every month. I miss you, Ron. <laughs> miss your scent. All right, so yeah, then we, then we got the guys starting to go uh, get their revenge on the uh, people that set them, took them down to court. Did you pick up on the fact that this first guy that uh, Stallone goes to, that he was an FBI agent? You know what? I uh, No, because during that police bus or whatever, they don't... I, I, I just thought they were like dirty cops, but yeah. They, I did too. They definitely make the point of calling him out as an FBI agent when Stallone comes after him. But yes, I... That's what I... I that totally blew that. my mind. <laughs> yep, I did not remember that being the case at the like while I was watching it. Gen- genuinely did not pick up on that until this viewing that he was an FBI agent. I couldn't even remember, too. Like, I remember, like, one of the cops was dirty and, like, they go after him later, but I couldn't remember which cop because there's also the cop that kind of trash talks him during that setup scene. Oh, yeah. I couldn't remember which one it was that uh that they go after, but... Yeah. I did the same thing too, and this is again some more of those those one-liners that maybe just a little bit much. You know, he's he's talking to this guy about his diet, which, I mean, come on, you busted out of prison, you you broke into this guy's house, you don't really yeah. need to criticize his diet. That's rude. He's only eating spaghetti. It's not like he's. Yeah. I mean, it's not like that's deep I mean, <laughs> deep right. fried spaghetti with syrup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not like it's just that's not like ultimate junk food. That's it's a pretty like common meal. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's not like he, he's eating, like, a huge bowl of spaghetti or something like that. I know. It's just, it was a pretty reasonable plate size yeah, of it, it I think. It like a pretty normal meal. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so he that's we figure out that he was the one that planted the gun after his little interrogation. And mm-hmm. then Cash goes to Skinner, the, the audio guy's <laughs> place. I love Skinner. Skinner's in uh, the Green Mile. He's the guy that has the little mouse. Oh, that's right. I did forget about that. But now, this is the difference between the two. I think of the two of them, you would think Stallone would be, uh, you know, more accustomed to the one-liner thing and and have more success with it. But I gotta say, Kurt Kurt's one-liners to in this movie are better to me. A hundred percent better. Like, you no can't keep you, you can't keep doing this with this faulty equipment. <laughs> what? This is state of the art. And he starts shooting it up. <laughs> yeah, though Kurt definitely has the. Thing about Kurt is he just he it's like they're they're used better. He just has you know like one or two, whereas Stallone like reels off like five and like hopes one sticks. Seems I like. think I think Kurt's are a little bit more effortless too. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's just the way because I I've noticed this in watching several Kurt movies over the years. Like it, he the way he says stuff a lot of times like there's certain way he says. And I, some, most of them are swear words or anything. But like, I hear the way he pronounces things a lot of times. I was like, okay, that sounds the same throughout a lot of movies. But just the way he delivers lines, it's just, especially in this movie, it's like, okay, it's a lot more effortless and it doesn't feel as forced as as Stallone's does. Yeah, I feel like Kurt's acting is how like people actually talk and like. Yeah. That's why I think I like him so much. I feel like I can envision him. Or just people, you know, in the Midwest talking like Kurt does. Like, right. I feel like he captures that really well. Yeah, I agree. And he hams it up still, but it's so much more 
of like a reasonable like oh, yeah, okay yeah. it's over the top but it's not like you just said like you and I could I, I would like to picture if, if we were Tango and Cash like this is that's how we would handle it like that's how we would talk yeah, I've definitely heard people say stuff like the, like how he says it yeah whereas like Tango you're just like eh, that's that's a little out there agreed and stiff how are we doing on time? Do we need to take a little break, Ski? Uh, yeah, we can take a little break and then come back and maybe wrap it up. I think we could do that. We, we should be able to pull it off. We'll only talk about yeah, a few relievers next round, guys, so we'll, yeah. we'll be able to get through it, I promise. We didn't talk about any this time. G- give, me a, give me a random Cardinals reliever right now. Kiko Calero. Oh, I liked Kiko Calero. He was, he was pretty good. Fun, fun fact... Um, Mom, it was. I think it was mom. wasn't really sure, like how to pronounce his name, and was like, "Oh, who's who's this guy?" And dad, jokingly, goes, "Oh, that's Karma Chameleon." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, great boy, call, <laughs> boy George, boy George." I'm gonna see your Kiko Claire. I'm gonna raise you one Luther Hackman. Ooh, Hackman. Well done, Hackman. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a quick break, and we'll uh, reconvene shortly. Sounds like a plan. Adios. Later. You crazy guy! What did you do with my car? I believe in Perestroika! Welcome to America! Welcome back, Cash. Welcome back, Hightower. You ready to uh, tie a nice little bow on this one? Yeah, man, I got my uh, my electric drum kit out, my giant industrial-sized fan, and some sparklies. I'm ready to do this. I do not have the same outfit on you, as Terry Hatcher, though. Do you have your drumsticks? Did you say that? Uh, no, I did not have the drumsticks. Oh, uh, I'm wa- some, someone's going to have to hand them to me. <laughs> Let me dress up like a woman, and uh, <laughs> I, will get this, I will get this to you. Oh, my goodness gracious. We were we were just talking about this. So, the, yeah, the next scene, Cash goes into the, the, the Cleopatra's dance club, where her dance tour happens to be taking place. Um <laughs> The first off, when we were watching this, I, I mean, I, I agree to, to some extent. The song that plays when Terry Hatcher comes out to do her little routine by Yazoo, Don't Go, I was told to say this just this way, greatest song ever. <laughs> it, it's a jam. That's for that's for darn sure. I do, I do really enjoy this song, like not even ashamed to admit it. I love this song. Great song. The... the uh, Drum solo that she tries to do kind of ruins <laughs> things for me a little bit. It's uh, totally offbeat. And... I was going to say, I was, like, entertained. Like, not that it was, like, the best thing I've ever seen, but I was at least entertained with the music, or just her in general. Like, it, it was just out there. Agreed. They totally should have used it as a music video for them, too. Like, I feel like that would have been a good uh, yeah. a publicity move on their part. No kidding. Opportunity lost. I know. But we we go from that, so we get the introduction. I think I think her name is Lynn. I can't I couldn't tell if it was Lynn or whatever, played by Kurt Russell. Oh um, right, dude. Maybe the best line <laughs> of the movie is when that cop, like she's sneaking away and he's like, "Hey, uh, any chance at a three way?" Oh yeah. <laughs> that was uh, Kurt dressing up as a woman. Um, totally like apparently last minute, and Kurt was like, "Well." Okay, I guess. Like basically, he, they ask him about it one time. He's like, I, "All right, I mean, I, I guess I'll do it." And I did not realize that, like, it was that producer that I was talking about earlier. It was his suggestion, 
and they're like, this is like the third time that that's happened in a movie of his because Kevin Klein and Will Smith both dress up as women in Wild Wild West. <laughs> that's like his calling card. Apparently. That's great. I do have to say, I have a little bit of an issue with this next scene where uh, Catherine and Cash go back to uh, her, I guess it's technically Tango's place, but they go back and they're oh, like... it is Tango's place, okay. I'm glad you brought that up. Do, they're doing like the whole massage thing and like the fake having sex, like it's so ridiculously overdone. Like I'm like, alright, come on. Yeah, I agree. That, was... that, that part's too much for me. Yeah, I mean, like, it was not even a good joke. Like, No. Yeah, weak sauce. Because Tango breaks in. But this is the other thing. And I've, I've noticed that you may have noticed it throughout watching the movie, too. Like, Tango sees the... his It's it's his captain. He doesn't know it at first. But he sees his captain sitting outside that screen door and just goes flying over with a wooden duck and, like, smashes him through the screen. <laughs> yes. So, like, in the first scene, when he hits the ground, like, the screen door breaks, the the screen kind of comes out, and, like, it's totally not his captain. Mm-hmm. And it cuts away, and then it cuts back, and then, like, the door's in one piece, and he's laying on top of it. Like, this movie has the most egregious instances of stunt doubles doing the performance and, like, not even wearing the same clothing, not being the same, like, totally different, and then they cut back and, like, it's, I don't, it's so noticeable in this movie. It's, like, from, uh, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, where, like, oh, yeah. it's the actual joke where the old, like, the, the lady turns into a guy with a mustache, you know, like, doing the yes. flips, and then she lands, and it's back to the lady, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking along the lines of Spaceballs, too. Right, yes, that, too. There you go. <laughs> you caught their stunt doubles. <laughs> So this is where we uh, find out that he's he's getting the police off their back for 24 hours, so they have 24 hours to clear their name. 24 hour. And they tells him about Rakeen, his place. Rakeen's name is almost as bad as his fake accent. Yes. Yes, it's it's not good. But I this was one thing that. Um, Apparently, with all of the production issues and everything else, like Stallone and Kurt liked what this guy was doing so much with the character that they basically were like, he needs more screen time because he was not originally supposed to be in the movie that much. Yeah, that's a and that's a it's a good instinct. I like this guy, Brian James. Yeah, he's in like uh, Blade Runner. He's in Forty Eight Hours, another Forty Eight Hours, a uh, couple <laughs> other couple other things, but. I will tell you the one that I associate him with, and this is going to be totally random and not a good movie at all, but it's Cabin Boy. Oh, really? He's in that? He's one of the, he's one of like the shipmates, and the only reason why, and I, my brother and I do this all the time, anytime, anytime there's a thunderstorm coming, like, ah, eh, purple lightning, that's always a good sign. <laughs> so, yes, totally, again, totally random, sorry, but I had to throw that in there. Cabin Boy, that's great. He's in the fifth element too. Oh man, he's in he, some like random movies. He plays the general that Kurt Russell or not Kurt Russell, the, uh, Bruce Willis keeps like ignoring. Oh, that's yeah. So anyway, sorry. So yeah, they they go to Rakeen's place and then we get to learn about bad cop, worse cop. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's funny that he's not he's not scared to be dangled over a roof. Yeah. I mean, like even if you don't think they're gonna drop you, like I feel like that's a very real scenario like of an accident happening and they drop you like yeah that could be an issue yeah but he's scared of the grenade so yeah it's weird 
I heard you were Section 8, man. <laughs> you think he's lying? I don't know, but it's not raining, and he's standing in a puddle. Yes. Plus, this is our... It'll be, it's the second instance of FUBAR getting mentioned. So we haven't even talked about FUBAR. We haven't talked about FUBAR. Which criminally, is criminally underutilized saying. The best... I was kind of saving it because my favorite usage of it is at the end. That's true. When he, which also involves a grenade, but yeah. it does. But uh, the the better quote is still coming. Agreed. Which is, but it stands for effed up by all or beyond all recognition. Yes. Correct? Yes. Okay. It there could it be is. like when it could be like when people say MILF now, like it, the 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 F that mm-hmm. <laughs> means something obviously wildly inappropriate is just like kind of glossed over now. So I don't know. Maybe maybe you and I should bring Fubar back. Oh, I say it all the time. Good. Fubar, big time. Fubar, big time. <laughs> all the time. But their interrogation tactics, um, they finally get the name of Perret and and where it's at and and the location. <laughs> they go. They go back to Owen, so Owen's in this movie for like three scenes, and they get the RV from hell from Owen. That's right, that's my note. Great uh, great vehicle, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like Stripes kind of vibe. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a, it looks like a, just a converted van almost, slash truck, like it's, yeah. I don't know, it's, <laughs> it's supposed to be like, it's supposed to be made like futuristic, you know, and all these special features which is pretty cool but I feel like uh, I see a little bit of a van in there which loses points which I didn't even think of it until I said that you know who one of the producers was on Stripes um Kevin Smith no no the, 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 the guy that I was talking about earlier um, he, he was one of the producers on Stripes too so there you go there you go he's like I'm gonna come donate. full circle I'm gonna I'm gonna put fifty grand into this movie just to have a cool vehicle, much like I did in Stripes. Agreed. And next, I want a, I want a giant spider. <laughs> but after the uh, after they get the RV from hell, then we get you know just a classic eighty scene. The end of this movie mm-hmm. of them storming Perret's castle, basically. Yeah. It's... Um. It's pretty good. So many great lines in this, too. I didn't take a single note, because I was just like so enthralled into this <laughs> compound attack. I know you and I have talked about this before, but... <laughs> Where'd you learn to drive? Stevie Wonder? <laughs> Stevie Wonder. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I just started laughing when I heard that one again. I just I kind of I kind of forget about it. It snuck up on me. You can't help it, man. It's just it, It's so good. You got a chuckle from me. And I think I, I was telling I was telling my wife I think my favorite part about the end of this movie and I've I've thought about this more recently so their whole thing is like okay we have 24 hours to clear our name and Cash got the tape of the recording so I mean that's obviously probably going to be pretty significant evidence so okay they they're they're well on their way so then you would think like okay nope I need to arrest this guy that was in charge of this or get somebody to commit to it no their plan is to drive into this base blow it to hell mm-hmm. kill everybody there and then just be like alright we're good that, I was thinking about that as well like they're just they're gonna rely on the uh, the people that they 
sought out like Skinner and the FBI guy. Oh no, the mm-hmm. FBI guy is dead. Yeah, FBI guy got killed. Yeah, blown up. Yeah, well, the other guy, that the fake witness, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, that is weird. They just, they went in guns blazing, man. But this is another thing too, and I I said this. This is why I absolutely love '80s movies, because. You know what? Logic be damned sometimes. Just go in there, kill the bad guy, and the good guys win, and that's the end of the story. There's no additional thinking needed. That's the way it goes. Yeah, that's the good thing about 80s movies. They just they kind of give you what you want, even if it's not, you know, morally Doesn't have to ma- correct. Yeah. Doesn't have to make sense. Doesn't have to check out. Just sit back and enjoy it. Amen. <laughs> what's, a, what's this countdown doing? It's got 11 minutes. Wow, Oakland Raiders scored three touchdowns in 11 minutes. Yeah, they also had three timeouts. <laughs> Great stuff, man. Dude, the I, I mentioned this earlier, but like we yeah, when they're in the compound and they uh, they take out Quan and Lopez, you know, with the these giant machine guns, which is hilarious. Right. But then also like these other the well, so Rakeen shows back up, mm-hmm. and then out of nowhere, there's like this karate dude. Yep. It's just like, who was introduced at, you know, our whatever into the film as a film. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if you caught or not, but I love the fact that the way that they introduced him. You don't know my mate here, but he's been waiting to crush your head into like, <laughs> oh, okay, nice, nice try, guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. A little too late. Yeah. And I love it, too, that all he does is just break glass everywhere. Yeah, all of the glass. He just he him and the glass have a vendetta apparently. Yeah, whether it's him like trying to kick someone and kicking it accidentally, or him like being thrown through it, I just feel like they, they destroy a lot of glass. Yeah, definitely. Maybe he's a stunt guy. Could have been, but this is where we get your instance of uh, you know the best instance of Fubar in the movie. <laughs> Dude, I love this man. Kicks kicks Rakeen down the stairs and then just throws a grenade on him. Or no, he put it in his pants. That's what it was, right? He yeah, put he put it, put it in his pants, and, and he kicks him down the, or punches him down the stairs. <laughs> so great. And I totally glossed over to Cash pushing Tango out of the way of that shot. Oh, that's <laughs> right. It's like, and he's like, oh, are you okay? Like, no, it's clean exit. Like, okay. That yeah, doesn't, um, that <laughs> um, immediately. <laughs> doesn't make it, like, totally okay. Like, hey, you have a bullet hole in your arm. Like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah, he no-sold getting shot. Tough guy. Real tough guy. Oh man, that's great. I love. I mean, we didn't even discuss this, but like another great line or thing I, I really enjoy is like when they're about to assault the uh, compound. Uh, Cash is telling Tango that you know, like, hey, like he's trying to get like sentimental. He's like, hey, you know, if you don't make it out of this or whatever, you know, like I am gonna date your sister. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. It's a good moment. That's classic. Like, oh, you're the greatest cop I ever worked with. I am gonna date your sister. <laughs> Fantastic! Yeah, I didn't. Even, yeah, you're right. I, I, told, I, I my bad. I didn't mean to gloss over that. I actually wrote that down, but yeah, I love that line. That's, I, got, I love it. I got so focused in on storming the storming the base. Rightfully so. <laughs> what what a ridiculous end of the movie too. <laughs> Just I op- opens up. <laughs> I freaking love this ending. He opens that door, and then there's just a hall of mirrors. And then, okay, which, we just got to figure out which one's the ro- the real one. All right, got it. All right, kneecaps on three. Like, yeah, yeah, one of them shoots him in the head. They both do. Oh, I thought one of them shot him in the like. I thought one of them shot low, and the other one shot high. 
No, they both like their bullet holes are like right next to each other on his on his forehead. Oh, I totally missed that. Oh yeah, and it's like, first off, how are you gonna kneecap him with his sister in front of him? And secondly, just there's no way Kurt could have fallen over and shot him in between, you know, and shot him in the forehead. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, again, it's ridiculous, but I love it. I love it too. But actually, what I was referring to. My favorite part of the entire movie is the high five at the very end. Oh yeah, no, the I, I literally wrote down greatest freeze fa- freeze frame high five ever. Yep, I wrote high five ending masterpiece. One hundred percent hero cops back. Dude, I love it, man. Yeah, I like that that newspaper headline. <laughs> I I don't think I ever told you this. Like there was um. When I first started at work, we were doing, we had like one of our stand up, like little quick meetings at the beginning of the day, and I was in charge of it. And I ended my PowerPoint with that picture. <laughs> Rightfully so. Big Dave was the only one that was excited about it. That's awesome. I just Easy. love it. Was, it's so cheesy and silly. And at the same time, it's just perfect. It's a perfect I know. ending. It's like I said, it's an 80s movie to, to all of its credit and faults and. Like you said, it's it's the closer of the '80s movies, and yeah, it, it really is. It hits all the notes that I'm looking for. It's fun. You throw it on. You don't have to think. You just sit back and watch it. And <laughs> oh yeah, man, I'm I'm all on board for Tango and Cash. So great. All right, well, should we get into some questions? I only have a couple. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I was gonna say I, I've got I've got two as well. So you you lead it off though. I I would always defer to you. All right. Well, we typically you know designate our MVP of the film. So let's just let's start there. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna try and challenge myself because the obvious MVP of the film is Kurt. I mean, uh, hands down. <laughs> I'm just gonna try and challenge myself to say who would I pick as second. As ridiculous and over the top as he is, I'm gonna say Jack Palance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like him. I like him too. I, he's a, he's a good villain. So Kurt is as the obvious choice, but if I were to go second in line, I would I would give it to Jack. That's fair. That's very fair. I I am with you. Like Kurt's the obvious MVP of this movie. Like I mean, yeah. I might we might be a little biased, but I mean he's actually. Uh, also the most entertaining in the in the film i mean he's he's better than stallone oh yeah and i think anyone will tell you that but it also might have been just because stallone picked that weird character to play so that that could have been it and i have to say like over time i've grown to appreciate sylvester stallone and his movies way yeah. more than i used to same for me but yeah in this one i don't know it's it's not that he's bad by any stretch of the imagination it's just yeah it's he's he's, he's not he's not towards the tie i agree i think it's the character do you think uh, they could have switched roles? Whew, man, that would have been tough. I don't, I don't know that Stallone could have pulled off like the. I don't want to say like, you know, middle class whatever that Kurt does as well, but I don't, I don't think it would have done as well if it was if they switched roles. Yeah, it's kind of hard to imagine. So like, yeah, Stallone would have been like the downtown. Yeah. Police officer, which I feel like he's kind of that in Cobra. But he's yeah. not. But he's not funny. So like that's the right. That's the hard part. Like I feel like he had to. He had to be the more like. You know, preppy rich guy. To he's somewhat be funny. 
he's kind of like, I mean, not the funny part, but he's kind of like the downtown guy in Demolition Man too, I guess. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like it just it wouldn't it wouldn't resonate. I think Kurt could pull it off as like the. Yeah, I think Kurt. I don't think he would have been as entertaining, but he. I think no. he definitely pulled off. Yeah. Yeah, but no, that's a good question. I didn't think about that. I've just always thought I'm like, man, Kurt definitely got the better role. I wonder if like they had, uh, if there was any like negotiation into that, or if just that's the way they drew it up. I feel like it's the way they drew it up. Yeah, because it's a weird, it's a weird role for, for uh, Stallone, but yeah, worked out. Okay, next one I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit here. Let's do it. So 1989. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I just absolutely love this year. I love 1989. Everything associated with it. Mm-hmm. Like, great movies, TV, music, wrestling. I mean, sports. Just great year. Agreed. So, I don't know why, but just 1989. Just in my mind. It's just a wonderful time. What are some... I'll, I'll, let you, I'll give you some time if you need to. But what are some... Uh, what are some of your top films from 89? Obviously, we know Batman. We've already talked about Batman. Yes. But do you have, do you have other uh, films of 89? Because I feel like 89 is a very strong year. And we talked we talk about Major League as well, too. So we have Major League and Batman covered. That's Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and let me know if you want me to throw some options out at you. So I, just off the top of my head, I may ask for some suggestions, too. Um, it's stacked. It's a stacked year. So, obviously Batman, obviously Major League, obviously Tango and Cash. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't this the, um, the third Indiana Jones came out that year, didn't it? Yes, sir. Okay, so that's another one. So, the third Indiana Jones is my second favorite of the trilogy. I'm not even going to dignify the fourth one. We've talked about that before. <laughs> um... Oh, I didn't realize Ghostbusters 2 came out that year. Oh, did it? I thought it was 88, but yeah, I guess so. And Back to the Future 2. Back to the Future Part 2, yep. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You got Field of Dreams. I'm going to give I'm gonna give you a hot take right now. I'm, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. I do not like Field of Dreams. What? It is overrated. Oh my god, I love Field of Dreams. Can't do it. So good. Um... I feel like there's a bunch of like just like one A type movies, you know. It's like Weekend at Bernie's, you know, like mm-hmm. Roadhouse, Uncle Buck, Turner and Hooch, you know, just yeah, a bunch t- of like good movies, but aren't like you know the best movies, you know, like Turner and Hooch, man. I, that's that's a tough one. Dead Poets Society, The Wizard, Le- Lethal Weapon Two. Oh, Lethal Weapon Two, my favorite Lethal Weapon. I mean, just like what a what a year for film. Black Rain. I'm trying to look and see what else we've got here. Yeah, Ghostbusters 2. Nice. Glory. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Steel Magnolias. Never seen it. Gosh, what a good year, man. License to Kill. Timothy Dalton. James Bond movie. The Karate Kid Part 3. <laughs> <laughs> not a God, fan. I didn't even realize it. I knew 89 was a good year for movies, but my goodness, I just did not... Um... Yeah, it's got some just, like, uh... Great movies. Who is Harry Crumb? Have you seen that one with John Candy? No. Oh, my God, it's so dumb, but I love it. I I watched it not that long ago, actually. It, Interesting. It could be his worst, but also not his best, but 
it's like uh, it's beloved by some. Troop Beverly Hills, Police Academy, something. <laughs> one of the police academies. Yeah, one of the police academies <laughs> came out that year for sure. I mean, just freaking great movies, man. The Burbs, that was '89. Pet Cemetery, Nightmare oh on Street Five. Oh my gosh, dude, Dream a Little Dream. Have you seen Dream a Little Dream before with uh, the two Corys? Um, I don't be. think I have. It sounds familiar, but I don't think I've seen it. That may have to be a future episode. Like, I feel like you're gonna hate it, but I freaking love it. I mean, I'm on board with it. I'll, I, you know me. I'll take a, I'll take a watch. Great soundtrack though, too. Okay. Driving Miss Daisy, didn't love it, but it's it's eighty nine. Yeah. Just what a year, man. Wow, I just going through this list, I had no, I, I mean, I knew it was good, but my goodness gracious, a lot of great movies here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good call. Good year for film. Absolutely. Uh, that's all I had, really. All right. Um, so we talk about our, our Kurt rankings a lot. I want to know where this ranks on your all-time Sylvester Stallone movie. Oh, my all-time Sylvester Stallone. Oh, gosh. Let's see. Great question. So my all-time favorite, which is you know going to sound crazy to some of you, is uh, Demolition Man. I love Demolition Man. Demolition Man is high, high on my list as well. That and is that, a great movie. Yeah, and I like the Rocky movies. They're not like my favorite favorite, but I, I like them, most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I, you know what I really like is the Expendables movie. So I know those I are like too. more like recent, but they did a great job of just like they knew what they were and they just went for it. They were right. Yeah, they were they were perfect for what they they needed to be. Except for the, I like the third one, but they should have been. It should have been rated R. Like Mel Gibson oh, is yes. a phenomenal bad guy in that movie. Yes, I agree. He's the best bad guy of the series. But yeah, the PG thirteen really did. It kind of hurt at some points. The bad guys just got better in those movies, actually. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, Van Damme was the second one. Yeah, like he was second best, and yeah. Anyway, but no, I I agree with you. Yeah, so I'd probably put this... Oh, gosh, I mean... I like the Rambo movies, too. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Uh, over the Top. Oh, I love Over the Top. It's not Great better, movie. It's not better than Over the Top. Or this no. Role, his role, anyway. I like him better as Lincoln Hawk. Yeah. Um, I like, know, it's... it's it's, it's tough for me too because his his role in this I don't like as much as his other movies, but yes, 100%. I like I like this movie more than some of his other good roles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I wasn't sure what you were asking for. If like, is, is it am I going by his character or the actual film itself? Let's go. Let's go with the film. Okay, the film itself. Yeah. Then it's it's gonna be like top five Stallone movies for sure. Yeah. I I agree. Um, I love the Rocky movies, except the only one I don't like is Rocky Five. Um, is that the Tommy Morrison one? Yeah. Agreed. Well, I say I don't. I like I like the final fight, obviously, but I mean the movie itself is just it's way way too much of a buzzkill for a Rocky movie for me. Um, like I'm like you, the Rambo movies, which again I didn't I didn't really get into those until I was older. Mm-hmm. Um, Demolition Man, obviously. Have you seen Expendables. Cobra? Cobra, yep, like Cobra. Cobra. Um, over the top. There's just there's so many. It's it's tough to choose. So I, Night, I'm still gonna Night say Hawks. top five. 
yeah, Night, I, you told me about Nighthawks, and I finally got around to watching it. Like, dude, Nighthawks is legit, man. A couple of years ago, I think. It's so good. Yeah. The bad guy in that movie, Rutger Hauer, is terrifying. He is. Like he is, he is a just evil, evil man. Legitimately sinister. Yeah, they did a great job. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All right, and I just have one more question for you. Okay. So instead of doing like the, you know, what would a sequel have been? Because uh, Kurt has been pretty adamant that, <laughs> that there will be no t- sequel to Tango and Cash, which I think is a mistake. Um, let's say they did do a sequel. And let's say, you know, Kurt, Sly, everybody's back. Who would have been, you know, let's say this movie comes out in between the time frame of 92 to 95. Okay. Who would have been a good villain for the second one. A good villain for the second film. Let me think about that. I had a couple of things that I was thinking of, like just bubbling around in my mind. Like I was thinking if they could get Arnold and he would be like... Arnold is the bad guy? I th- I, I'm not – just something like he did differently like because he did uh, Last Action Hero around that time, and that was kind of different for him. So I'm thinking just something different I think it could have done. I'm not saying it would have been good, but I think it would have been a good way to incorporate him because he was supposed to be in the first one. It, again, it's just just throwing it out there. I got you. I see where you're coming from now. Um, I can't, for some reason, I can't get Malkovich out of my head, but like I don't like I don't want to land on Malkovich, but he's popping he, up in my head. Just he for this was time period. Yeah, yeah. He would. That would have been a good one. Like he'd have been an interesting villain. I don't know if he'd like. I don't know if that would be great, but. I feel like he's too serious to be in a mm-hmm. Tango and Cash. Like I'm thinking the other one that came to my right around that same time frame. I don't know how well it would have worked out, but Dennis Hopper. <laughs> mm, Dennis Hopper would have been good. Yeah, he could have done that. How about? Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman could have definitely done it. Yeah, I feel like he could have done that role. Because he's had some not as serious roles before too. So like he, I, I, th- he, I definitely. That's a good call. I didn't. I didn't even think about that. He definitely could have done it. Oh, you know who they should have got is the. Uh, oh man. Yeah, I think he's a German dude. Who? What's? He's a bad guy in like tons of stuff. Oh. He's one of the bad guys in Beverly Hills Cop 2, I believe. Um, shoot, what's that guy's name? Oh, the dude that's in he's Beer in Judge, Fest? He's in Judge Dredd. Yeah, 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 the guy from Beer Fest, yes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm, like, that guy's mm-hmm. a, just a typical 80s villain. Like, I feel like... Yeah, he definitely he definitely could have done it. I forgot his name, but... Dang it, it's going to bug me now. i got to look it up. I'm it's looking gonna... it up right now. Okay, Don't worry. Good. It's going to drive me crazy. Jurgen Jer- Prochnow. There you go, Prochnow. Jurgen yep. Prochnow. That guy would have been a great... Would have been a great Tango and Cash villain. He just like he fits in perfectly with uh, Stallone yeah. and Kurt, I think. Agreed. Well, yeah, and he actually worked with Stallone on a uh, Judge Dredd, so that yeah. makes sense. Could have got Jesse the Body Ventura. It could yeah. have been White Lightning. There you go. <laughs> could have worked. Hey, Black Hammer. <laughs> they should have got Mr. But that's T. A- oh. Going back, hell, go go back and get Thunder Lips then. Yep. <laughs> the ultimate male versus the ultimate meatball. That's right. 
anyway, yeah, that's my. Those are my only questions for you. All right. Well, I got another question for you. Okay. Where do you rank this film in the Cash Hightower catalog? Here, this is our fifteenth film. Totally unprepared. Pro- you can also provide me with your six. Or your uh, six. Here, man. Wow. Richter scale rating. One to or zero to six point nine. Yes. Um. So this movie for me, it is going to be. Let's see. This is going to be number seven in my list. So in between Major League and Adventures number of Babysitting. Seven. And I am giving. That's very fair. I'm giving it a five point six. Tango. And cash. Five point six. Okay. That's so, good. So you have in between Major League. And Avengers and Babysitting at number seven. So you got like Batman, Ghostbusters. Literally right above Babysitting, yeah. Tombstone, Lebowski, Beetlejuice, Major League, Tango, and Cash. All right, well, I'm not too far from you. I'm going to go, and this just kills me, but I'm putting it at nine. But like I said, it, these movies are all great, so it's hard. It's It makes it sound like it's not one of my favorites, but, I mean, the, there's so many good movies on here. I put it's it at, too- n- yeah, I put it at nine at a 5.6. Which is weird. Is that what you gave it? Weird. Yeah. I put this. I put that in before we even or like before. That's weird. Okay. Nice. How about that? Uh, yeah, I'm like you, man. I just this one was tough one for me because I'm going back and forth. I'm like, okay, do I like it more than Major League? I'm like, well, no. You know, objectively, I don't think I do. But it's it's a different kind of movie, and I have a different kind of enjoyment. And then I, the, what really was tough for me was going back and forth between this and Adventures of Babysitting because, like like we said before, like that was the first time I had seen it was when mm-hmm. we watched it for this show. And it's sitting pretty strong in my rankings because it's such a fun movie, but I'm like, I just, I got to give Tango and Cash a little bit of the edge, but not by much. So it's yeah, a lot of good is, ones in here. This is super hard. Like, I... I think it kind of depends on my mood, honestly. Like, yeah, because I could watch Tango and Cash pretty much any moment because it's just a dumb, fun movie. But like, I kind of feel like I have to be in a mood for some of these other, like Tombstone. I definitely got to be in a mood for like Batman. I need to be in a mood for. I mean, it just kind of depends on. Uh, it's hard. To, it's hard to rank some of these. I agree. We've talked about a lot of a lot of great movies on the show, and, and we're going to continue to talk about great right. movies. But we'll we'll throw in some stinkers eventually. Yeah, we'll, like Roger Rabbit. <laughs> hey, I've, what do you? What do meant, you oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was, I was just I've, I finally mentally recovered from the fact that I liked it as a kid, and I can't stand it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. All right. What should our topic uh, be for next uh, show? Yeah, so uh, let's go a little bit of a timely topic with the uh, release on HBO Max of the new Mortal Kombat movie. We're, let's talk about Mortal Kombat 95. Oh god, let's let's do Mortal Kombat. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, this is going to be an interesting one because this is not a. Um, I don't know. I don't think I don't think this one that's in either of our catalogs of like go-to movies. So I'm I'm looking forward to going back and watching this one again, seeing how it holds up. Test your might. Hey, did you play the video game? I know I don't want to give anything away, but did you play the video game back in the day? Oh yeah, I still do. Who was your? Oh, you still do. Nice. Who was your oh, uh, yeah. go-to character? I was more of a scorpion guy. 
And that's so interesting. Okay. I was Sub-Zero all the way. I see, and I didn't mind playing a Sub Zero. It was like I, if if somebody else wanted to be Scorpion, I was cool with being Sub Zero. But mm-hmm. if I had my my pick, I was always a Scorpion guy. I don't I don't know why. I feel like like it's you know like forty percent Scorpion, forty percent Sub Zero. Then you have like a small pocket of like Raiden fans. Yeah, I to be frank with you, if I could, and if I did all like the cheat codes and stuff, I, I'm I'm Goro one hundred times oh, out of a hundred. I don't like Goro. I don't know. He's, oh. he's, he's like visually upsetting to me. <laughs> he's, got, he's got too many arms. I, f- I find his kind off-putting. <laughs> his demographic upsets me, the forearm types. They're just so uppity with their extra two arms. For real, dude. <laughs> All right, man. It's been fun. Absolutely. Glad we got to talk about this. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, looking, looking forward to next week. Yep. Shout out to all of our friends, our peeps. Big Dave, Dr. Dub, Zach, of course. Anyone else I'm forgetting? Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- yeah, the usual usual crowd, the the misses. I know Jessica's still listening. Um, yeah, everybody that listens, obviously. And again, thanks again for sticking with us after the uh, the hiatus that I that I took. You know, a few weeks there, but we're we're back, and we should be pretty much every week again, unless something drastic happens. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, man. See you next time. Ciao, babe. Adios. Well. Bye.